Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey. The thing about Phil is he's he's so temptable. He likes to go the thrill route. That's what makes Phil exciting. Judd Zolgad. Judd, have you wandered away from the house again? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins. Now, now, with MLB Network contributor and senior baseball writer with The Athletic, Jason Stark. Brought to you by Grundhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. Bring the excitement of Grundhofer's to your next cookout. All right, Jason Stark, we appreciate your flexibility today because the Wild has hired a new general manager and we must dive into it at 1130 today. Uh, Are you a hockey guy at all, Jason? I am not a hockey guy at all. Now, I have been to a hockey game just this season, but I've watched so little hockey. See, Judd can can brush you up to speed. Oh, I love hockey. Primer. You know, my wife loves hockey. I've got nothing against hockey. I for whatever reason, it's just the one sport that I don't cram in the time to, to follow. Yeah. I don't know why. So we have a few things we definitely want to dive into, um, but just, just to start off with, so Byron Buxton, he's he is playing with a sore foot. He's playing through a, a hairline fracture. So, I mean, he's out there, and he's still able to run three and a half seconds to first base. But we're past the 1,000 plate appearance mark for Byron now. He's up to uh, 1,053 plate appearances. And uh, after a great second half last year, we're sitting here and we're, you know, we're what, a fourth or a third of the way through the season, and he hasn't hit a home run yet. He's batting a buck 57. He's got a 192 on base percentage. Uh, he's he's in his mid-20s. At what point, Tom Kelly used to say 1,500 plate appearances. Um, what are your thoughts on, like, at what point should you start to just call a player for, for what he is? You know, I usually think that the third full season is when you find out, and he's had a weird third season, so I don't think we know anything yet. But it's funny that you bring this up because, you know, I I, I asked Paul Molitor about it this spring, and, I, I, you know, the, the, the line of questioning was a lot like what you just asked me. We saw an incredible resurgence from this guy last year. What did you see? And what have you seen that makes you think he can take that and build on it and not see the inconsistencies we've seen in the past? And if I recall the answer correctly, he expressed more hope than belief that what we saw last year was what he was going to be. And, you know, that that concerned me because I think we all want to believe if. If he figures it out offensively, if he's like a, 
becomes like a 30-30 type greatest defender in baseball <laughs> type player, then that is a star. That is a megastar. And that's what I think we've all been waiting for. But there just been too many rides on the roller coaster. And as I've mentioned a billion times, it's never been harder to hit than it is right now when you exhibit any level of weakness, any area that teams can exploit. They re- exploit it relentlessly until you prove to them that you figured it out. And that's where he is right now. And, and- Jason, the discouraging and concerning thing here is that when when Buxton's going through the, these uh, elongated spells like he is right now, he looks completely lost. So it's not just this, well, if, if he just tweaks this back, from July 1st through the end of l- last year, he looked like a different player. And we all yeah. said, okay, that's the corner. that It's been turned. And now, and now he's not going through a two-week slump. He's going through basically looking like the player that he did again last spring, and that's a player who looks just completely befuddled and lost at the plate. Well, you know, it, when my wife was coaching, I used to remind her all the time, the two teams playing. And so I, I do think that this is not all about him. It's about a guy who, um, who, you know, who shows, he shows areas where he struggles and pitches that he can't handle. And then he just gets fed this relentless diet of, of, of stuff, and he, gets, he, he gives you the same results over and over. And, I mean, I, I think it's hard to go up there and act confident mm-hmm. when you know what's about to happen. And, you know, he, I, I don't know what the answer is. There's just incredible aptitude there. And there's incredible athletic ability there. But if you're really going to be a star and you're really going to succeed in baseball, you have to show the ability to continuously adjust. And that means adjusting after this sport adjusts to you. He hasn't shown that. Yep, exactly. offensively. Uh, speaking of slumping, Paul Goldschmidt in Arizona, a star player, is at 200 for this year, and we are nearing June. What are your thoughts on what's wrong there? Because this is not this is once again not a short slump. This is actually getting to be now two months, and uh, this guy is an outstanding player. And I'm shocked that, that he is not uh, doing better. Yeah, we you know we were talking about it at, at the ballpark in Philly last night, it, and it's funny you brought this up because it it's not just a slump, man. It's mind boggling. Like look inside the numbers. He's hitting 140 at home with no homers, and it's May 22nd. He's hitting 161 against right-handed pitching. He's 7 for 70 in May, 7 for 70. He leads the league in strikeouts. He's on pace to strike at 200 times. And you know, my friend Buster Olney wrote about this a week or so ago. He's got one hit all year against a fastball 96 miles an hour or above. Hmm. So he... He's not handling velocity. I, you know, I looked at his his heat map, and other than down and in, he's not. He he's just not showing any kind of plate coverage against those good four seam fastballs. I mean, just velocity, middle up in the zone is just chewing him up. And you know, as we were talking about it last night, I, I think we all concluded. 
he's got to be hurt, doesn't he? It ha- How can yeah. a guy be this good and then this bad? It's not age, you know. It's I mean, the, there there is a humidor, but that doesn't account for just not being able to handle velocity. Now, the result right. of the batted ball might be altered, but that's step two. Yeah, and I've looked at that too. I, I think the Diamondbacks obviously have looked at it. His batting average on balls in play is seventy points lower than his career norm. Mm. And you know, your first instinct when you see that would be to say, "Well, he's been unlucky." But then I remind you, he's leading the league in strikeouts. And then look beyond that. We can, you know, we can look at batted balls now and how hard you're hitting the ball. His percentage of soft hit balls has doubled, doubled since last year. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, this is either just a complete foul up of swing mechanics or he's hurt. I don't think the humidor explains this. Yeah, Jason Stark from The Athletic, theathletic.com slash MLB, where you can see all of his featured uh, work. He's on MLB Network, uh, Stadium TV. We need to take a moment to applaud one of the most durable, amazing feats in modern baseball history. The first starting pitcher in how long to go back-to-back games starting Sergio Romo, Mr. Durability. (laughs) Starting back-to-back, like a throwback to the Cy Young days. Well, he only went an inning inning in a third, but... Interesting strategy implemented. We knew the Rays were going to tinker with stuff like this going into the year, but I guess if your options are mediocre to AAA caliber starter going five innings and putting you in a hole, or just like get the top of the order out and take your chances the rest of the game, is this something that could catch on around the league? Obviously, you'd rather have five Madison Bumgarners at all times, but for teams that don't have that, what are your, what are your thoughts on this, Jason? Yeah, uh, all right, let's get this straight. He is not the old hoss Radburn. Now <laughs> 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 it's a beautiful day for a baseball game here at the Trop. Yeah, Sergio Romo going to go out there for a second day in a row. <laughs> Very good. Was that Brockmeyer? What, what was that? Actually, I did watch the first episode of Brockmeyer. I'm I'm starting to binge again here. Yeah, Another yeah. magnificent oh, first stuff. five minutes of a season, by the way, for people. <laughs> yeah, you should watch my uh, my baseball stories with Hank Azaria on. Uh, uh, watchstadium.com. It's archived there. And it, he, I mean, it's just a half hour of nonstop polarity. But we, awesome. we digress. Yep. <laughs> the question on the floor was Sergio Romo. And I, you know, I was on uh, MLB Network last Friday. I was on Brian Kenny's show. Uh, you know, Brian wrote about this in his book. He's mentioned this about a, a thousand times in the last three days. And, you know, here's what I said at the time. And then the, the conversation kind of went all, all berserk. But I do think it's inspired, it's in, and I do think it's intelligently conceived. I just don't know that it's genius. In order for it to be genius, one, you've obviously got to have the right team, which is the Rays, which, you know, they've had, they don't, they've had a bunch of starting pitcher injuries. they got a bunch of young pitchers whose innings they want to limit. And then you got to have the right opponent. The Angels were the perfect opponent because, I mean, like you're not going to move Mike Trout down in the order because Sergio Roma's pitching, right? (laughs) You're going to throw your right-handed hitters up there at the top of that order the way you always are. So all of that works. But in order for it to be genius, it's got to work. Sergio Romo, who's nowhere near the guy he was when he was with the Giants, has got to be great. Now, the first time out, he was really good, struck out all three hitters he faced, and then got yanked. You, you know, he's the first, quote-unquote, starting pitcher 
to do that since Ernie Shore on the last day of the 1915 season. A fun fact I looked up. But yes, then, Ernie, oh, Shore, Ernie Shore and the boys out there going to throw the ball around today. <laughs> that was a great game. <laughs> yeah, right. I remember that game well, Jason. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Pat, I Patrick Royce, he probably does. Though. Sick man, Sid does. But um, the next time out, he was not great. He did walk, too. He pitched his way out of trouble. They, you know, after he faced six hitters, they went and got him. And then they did not win the game. And, like, Brian's response to me was, well, the results don't matter. And that's where I jump off this train is, you know, they are a real team. <laughs> they're not a lab experiment. Yes. It's, you know, it's, you know, the results matter in the big leagues, and pe- other teams will only replicate this if it works. And I think it only works in limited situations. That's my read. Did you guys like this? Uh, I think your read is correct. If if you're basing an entire 162-game season off of bullpenning, which is I love that Brian has launched the hashtag bullpenning on Twitter. I think it's uh, I think it's that's innovative in itself. But I think you're right. It's it's more like in place of the bottom end of your rotation, and only in situations where you can play the platoon splits in in your favor. Otherwise, if you're going to run a lefty reliever up there against three you know three righties, you're now you're playing into a great lineup. So well, right. Well, I mean that's the reason to start Sergio Romo against those righties mm-hmm. is, you know, that's, that, that's his skill set, right? He throws that slider, that Frisbee slider, and he gets right-handed hitters out, theoretically. He hasn't done it that well this year. He, you know, we, we were talking about a guy with, a, with an ERA almost six. And his, you know, his OPS, first 25 pitches, opponent OPS was something like 878. And so there was no guarantee that that was going to work just based on that. Um, but it was it was fun. It was fascinating, and I, like I, I'm a big fan of the innovative thinking that we see in the game. But I do think that if we have no more starting pitchers, the sport is losing something special. Yeah. And I, like so, if that's where this is heading, I, I object. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Let's all right. We got trivia. Let's fire up some trivia here before we say goodbye to Jason. Uh, I believe we are batting. We're for sure over the Mendoza line in our trivia batting percentage, Judd. We're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. We yeah, might even be closer well. to 500 this season. Yeah, you guys should be keeping track of this because uh, I'm sure there'll be a prize at the end of the That's year. Dave's job. <laughs> Dave's doing it. Yeah, now this one was inspired by um, you know the Nationals calling up uh, a teenager, uh, Juan Soto, and he hits a home run at age 19 last night. And I, and I thought, you know, let's just check Twins history. Now, I'm not going to do teenagers who homered for the Twins because there's only one. Do you, do you have any recollection of Paul Ratliff? Wow. Uh, he was a catcher who hit a homer no. at age 19 and then didn't hit another one for seven years. Wow. No, no recollection at all, Paul there. Ratliff. But, but, if, but here's the question. Okay. Uh, there are two Twins who hit at least 15 homers before they turned 22. So, in their age 20, 21 seasons, hit at least 15 homers total. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Holy cow. Um, I mean, the, the, like Puckett was 24 when he came up. I was going to say, most of these guys. Mawa? Joe Mawa? Mauer hit six in his rookie year and then got hurt. Yeah. I don't know how. I mean, he wasn't a home run guy. Guy Eddie homered in his first at bat against Charlie Huff in Texas, but I don't think he was that young at the time. That's I a think great he question. was. 
Um, some of those early '80s guys like Herbeck. When did yeah. he come up? He's Herbeck went from like Fort Myers. Yeah, you know to what? That's a good guess because I Herbeck. think I think yes. Herbeck. That's a really good guess. He only hit 11, though. Uh, he homered right. against George Frazier in his first game at Yankee Stadium, I think. Um, I, mean, I mean, both guys you've heard of. I'm trying to think uh, of like no more more recent-ish Played example. a lot of years with the Twins, both of them. Like Chuck Knobloch? When did Chuck Knobloch? Chuck Knobloch came up in 91. Yeah. Was he that? Started started uh, getting pelted with hot dogs 10 years <laughs> later. <laughs> All right, let's let's go Ch- with that. Chuck Knobloch. Knobloch. Chuck Knobloch? No, he had Boy, right, we got is, one. Uh, boy, this is embarrassing. One was a catcher, longtime Twins catcher. Butch Weiniger? Butch Weiniger hit I like that kid. Whoa, Calvin, great Calvin Griffith commercial. Well, he was an all-star in Philadelphia, I think, in 76. He he went to the all-star game. Tony Oliva? And he was a kid. And he was a kid. Tony Oliva? No, that's not a bad guess, but he didn't come up. All right. All right, we're stumped. You know, came up young, but he, he didn't hit enough home runs. No. You, you were right on Maury. only hit seven of them. Okay. Um, you want me? You actually want me to tell you? David David Ortiz is on the list. He had one. He had one. This, yeah. this, this guy, I'm sure you, you know, you, was was a guy you loved, loved to root for, outfielder. Um, Give us an era. Oh, Torrey Hunter. No, no, no. That's a good guess too. The era. Yeah. Uh, he was. He didn't actually start with the Twins, if that helps. But he was 80s. He's an 80s guy. 87 World Series. Tommy Bernanski. Tommy Bernanski came up with the Twins, didn't he? No, he was with California. And then, um, so you had Puckett. Oh, Dan Gladden. No, that's not no, it. There's, no, because he. You just got it. It's Tom Bernanski. Like Dan Gladden. No. Well, that was an embarrassing showing by us. All right, now we see. Quit praising us, Stark. We had to turn up the heat. Quit praising (laughs) us, Jason. See, that's the problem. You praised us. We we got cocky and we just whiffed. Baseball and baseball (laughs) trivia are both humbling games. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah, That's Phil Hughes. That was a killer question. All right, Jason. Good one. Thanks, Jason, for moving. Appreciate it. All right, see you guys. Bye, Jason Stark. Let's come back and talk. Uh, We'll do a Jason Stark post game show when we come back here. Mackie and Judd now continue. Ready to be back in business or what? On 1500 ESPN. Boy, this is on-air production meeting here. We have more uh, Reckless Wolves speculation to get to later in the show now. Oh, my. It's heating up, though. I think let's just carve out, like, noon to 1230 on the show today is going to be a half hour of Wolves Reckless speculation. I know you guys did some yesterday when Murph was in. Well, yeah, but now... Yeah, there's more to it. it. Yeah, it's getting steam. Reckless! Speculation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, programming alert in an hour and a half. All in on Wolves' reckless speculation. There Jace might, Frederick will join. Too. There might be tirades as well, and meltdowns on the show. Or yes, on on the show. I'm at peace with all of this now. Okay, well, good for well, you. Well, actually, I can't promise that. There's good one thing you. I'm not at peace with. I'm becoming less at peace, and I don't care as much as you do. So I, I may have I may have lied there. I'm, okay, I, there's good. one thing that I'm definitely like. <laughs> I like it up. more when I you're not have, at peace. I may have lied a little bit. There. I like it more when you're not at peace. So I would prefer that you melt down. Uh, we'll see what happens. I don't feel I should have to on, on the wolves. I feel that I I do enough on the Vikings and Wild. Yeah, I, mean, it, I don't. That's your team. That's we also make we make a good tandem in that. Like, I get to sort of set you up for the hockey stuff, and then you get to set me up for the basketball, basketball stuff. Correct. We're both very much all in on football and uh, and baseball and. You know, and so some, at some point, Dave's going to have to be all in on soccer for the both of us, and then we'll cross United? that bridge. Yeah, it's a big tie yeah. with Sporting KC on Saturday. We call it a draw, it's a draw. Judd. Yeah. Oh, sorry. On the pitch? On the pitch. Sporting KC. Yeah. Most pretentious <laughs> name right. in sports. Oh, for oh, by the way, Sporting. real quick here, okay? 
I woke up on Saturday morning, and I, I didn't know what time the royal wedding was taking place at, but I woke up on Saturday morning, and like all of Twitter, at 6 or 7 o'clock, whatever time I checked Twitter. It started at 6. So yes. for all of you who make fun of those of us golf fans, you get up at what time to watch the, <laughs> oh, the yeah. open? Yeah. You all got up to watch a bunch yeah. of snooty Brits yes. in their antiquated culture get get into these like 1960 Rolls Royces and parade around with Whoa. Anderson Cooper narrating. Don't okay? forget, yeah. don't forget when, when they got in, in the horse-drawn carriage and went through the streets waving. I'm not even judging. Like, whatever. Like, watch whatever you want. But <laughs> yeah. don't, don't judge me for getting up at 2.30 in the morning to watch Tiger Woods tee off. Everyone, you know what? Everyone should be comfortable doing what they like to do. I, I started the show Saturday. Yeah. No, I started exactly. the show. Like I started ESPN the show. airing bowl games. I started the, well, that's just stupid. I started the show on Saturday <laughs> or, with Collar. Or like and we athletes said, playing beyond their uh, yeah, zones. Well, come on. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It never ends well. <laughs> um, we asked Jason Stark like 20 minutes ago about Byron Buxton. And he said something really interesting about a conversation him and Paul Molitor had back in spring training. And that Molitor's reflection back on Buxton's hot stretch after the All-Star break was one of hope as opposed to like assuredness mm-hmm. that and that concerned Jason Stark when just thinking about the future of Buxton so the counting numbers like the back of the baseball card numbers are just awful in themselves he's hitting 157 his uh, on-base percentage is at 192 and he has a small handful of extra base hits but it's like he has a couple doubles he hasn't hit a home run yet. We're almost to, to June, and I get that he's been playing banged up. The strikeout rate is ridiculous. He's not drawing walks. He's 0-2 all the time. And here's one, too, if you're just looking to validate. Man, it looks like he pops up a lot. He just like he, these center-cut pitches, and he's just, he can't square them up. So two of the best hitters in baseball over the past 10 years, Joe Maurer as a pure hitter and Mike Trout as an everything hitter. Joe Maurer almost never pops up. You can count. Maybe 20 to 30 times in Joe Maurer's career where he said an infield pop-up. Fangraphs tracks this. Mike Trout has an infield pop-up rate. Yes, they do have such a thing called infield pop-up rate. Of course they do. Of 5%. So 5% of the batted balls for Mike Trout are infield pop-ups. That number's up a little bit the last couple of years because pitchers are going up in the zone against him and they're kind of figuring out how to get him out in different ways. Byron Buxton hits an infield pop-up one in every five times he puts the bat on the ball. It's, it's not so good of infield pop-up. And by the way, like you can add infield pop-ups to strikeouts. It's an automatic out sure. unless you have an idiot catcher that stumbles over his mask or something, right? So he strikes out in 30% of his plate appearances. He pops out in 20% of his batted balls. Like He's giving himself no chance at the plate. I'm to the point now where even though I'm I'm anti like small ball bunting, like I want a guy to maximize his skill sets, but you got to start somewhere with him, right? Put the ball on the ground if you're going to do anything. Yeah, but that's so sad. It's it's not inaccurate to say that that might be a good idea, but it's so sad. Here's my thing with his at bats, and and this has been the case far too often since he since he got got here for the first time. His at bats right now, for instance, are extremely difficult to watch. They're painful to watch. They're not just sort of bad. They're not just sort of slumping. They are they are an exercise in futility and they are awful to watch. And you know, it's almost like a script. Comes to the plate. Strike one. Might get a ball. 
strike two. That's it. He's 0-2. He might as well. Byron Buxton's to the point now where if he is 0-2 or 1-2, he might as well walk away. Yeah. He might as well go back to the dugout and be done. And this is what I think the both of us thought after the uh, the stretch he went through from July 1st of last year to the en- end of the uh, summer last year. I think we both thought, okay, he's at least past that. He might he, He'll slump again. I get that. But he's at least past that stretch of the at-bats being brutally hard to watch. And They're he's worse right than now, ever. They are impossible to watch. And with two strikes, he is done. Uh, he's also, if you just want to go even deeper into uh, the stats page here, he is swinging at more pitches than he ever has before both inside the zone and outside the zone, and uh, his contact rate is not going up with it. So, like, you, like there's guys like Vlad Guerrero and Ichiro that can just swing at everything. And Sano is Puckett. rehabbing at Rochester, but besides that, your two-star prospects are doing just great. Yeah. And somehow this team is not out of it. Like, they're just still hovering yeah. right there around you 500. Want to thank the AL Central. That's Cleveland the, whatever leads this division happen. below 500 right now. Whatever needs to happen. Um Let's. Uh, we're going to get to the in about an hour the Paul Fenton press conference, new GM of the Wild. Reckless Wolves speculation block from twelve to twelve thirty. It's kind of an emergency Wolves reckless speculation based on uh, what we just saw on the internet. But stuff's coming up next. So what do we got in stuff, Dave? A lot of good stuff. Baseball continues to be weird. Uh, facts about the cup that maybe even Judd doesn't know, and a wide array of gusgasms. W- wow. Hang on, Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Well, you don't really have a choice. On 1500 ESPN. To Mackie, Judd Zolgad. And those are some boobs, by the way. Mackie and Judd. Uh... On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Casper Sleep. With a 100-night risk-free trial, you can discover how Casper has become the Internet's favorite mattress. Go to Casper.com today for special Memorial Day savings. Casper.com. Mackie and Judd Show, give me a go, no go for stuff you should know about. Hosts, go. Producer, we're go. Technical, go. Music, go. Volume, go. The actual stuff, we are go. Control, we are a go. You are clear to launch stuff you should know about. We are go for launch. Woo! All right, David, what do you got for us? You got Stanley Cup facts, you said, right? I do. I don't know. I think you might not even know all these facts all right. about the Cup, Judd. Probably true. But first, like I said, I have a wide array of gusgasms. We'll just sprinkle them in throughout. These are uh, courtesy of Tyler Morales on Twitter. He's a film breakdown guy for optimum scoring, does stuff other football related, but he just threw uh, the best, what he called, the best calls from the 2017-18 college football season. Wow. And uh, we'll start slow, but we'll build. Don't oh, worry. That's, that's classic gusgasm. Whoa, we're starting slow. We're starting slow. Do we have any context for these? or is it, We don't know what game that was. Uh, some of them this. you'll recognize players that he, okay. he mentioned. Do we even uh, need context? It's just I mean, Gus. There's a Baker Mayfield. There's maybe a Sam Darnold play in there. But they're all outstanding. If you had to guess, how much beer can one fit inside Lord Stanley's Cup, Judd? Oh, you're right. I have no clue. Um, well, what is it? It's got to be, I would say, well, it, four pints? Can you fit four, six pints? The bowl, I mean, uh, not pints, liters. I'm going liters. The bowl at the top is seven and a half inches tall, okay. measures one, or, excuse me, 11 and a quarter inches around, 35-inch circumference. 
14 12-ounce beers can fit in Whoa. Lord Stanley's Cup. Oh, I, you, you are correct. Those are Stanley Cup facts. I don't know. That would be that'd be a heck of a night for me. Do you know the... <laughs> I'd enjoy that. I want the Stanley Cup now worse than ever. Do you know the actual name of the Stanley Cup? The actual name? No, I don't. I love these people like Judd just pretending like they know hockey over the years. The real name, the original yeah. name, yes. is the Dominion Hockey Challenge Cup. Oh, everyone knew that. Yes, right. Yeah, a little hockey no. whisperer knew that. Here's the <laughs> story. <laughs> you knew. Lord Stanley himself, yeah. Governor General of Canada back in the 1890s, donated to hockey in Canada. Back then, hockey was a challenge sport. He brought the cup over from England. It was made in Sheffield. Mm-hmm. He purchased it in London in uh, the Piccadilly Circus area. Brought it over because he had two boys and a girl who played hockey in Canada. They convinced Dad, look, we need something to play for. We can't just say we're the winners. We got to have some sort of trophy. Well, when your dad's the Governor General of Canada, he buys a trophy. And that's how it becomes Lord Stanley's Cup eventually. I have learned something today. This is great. He bought the cup for 10 guineas, a British coin at the time. Equating to roughly $48.67 American. That's expensive back in the day. That's a a spendy cup for the kids. You know how much the cup travels, of course? I found this interesting. It's been all over the U.S. except in Hawaii. It has never been to Hawaii. It has uh, put over 100 million, uh, me, 1 million miles in travel over the, just the last 10 NHL seasons alone, but it has never been below the equator. So it's never been to Hawaii, never been below the equator. That should It has to stay in relatively it. cool climates, unless it's going to Tampa or Los oh, Angeles. I think it'd be fine to go. Or Vegas. Could travel around a bit more. That's no problem. Hawaii. I, I am sh- I am shocked that no player has ever gone on and said, "You know what? I'm going to Hawaii." How would you if you like really got the itch to play hockey in Hawaii? Yeah. Are there any? There has to be like a men's league or something, right? Sure, it's got to be somewhere. Sure is, if you yeah. can play, well, Arizona State has a team now, mm-hmm. right? You would think if we're in, if we're in, the, if Vegas there. and Arizona State, yeah. if we're in the desert, yeah. I would think that we can make it work in Hawaii somewhere. <laughs> Those, by the way, all courtesy of Phil Pritchard. He's the guy that's always with the cup. The keeper of the cup. Was that a full-time job? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he's just like driving around. He's, a, he's at a stoplight. The blonde-haired guy, right? Who, who yes. was in a commercial? The blonde-haired guy. Who always years got back. the white gloves yeah. on. Yeah. Would you get sick of that job? Would that would that get monotonous oh, if every day be. you wake up and you're just laying next to the cup? I wouldn't get tired of it. <laughs> I like it. Hey, cup. What's for dinner? You never make a decision, do you? You never want to talk about your feelings. <laughs> you picked your own room to sleep in, Cup. Why? That cup, cup made me sleep on the couch again. <laughs> Cup's like, get out of here. I'm oh, sleeping right in the middle of the bed. Baseball is weird. <laughs> Odubel Herrera, Philadelphia Phillies. He didn't play on opening day, but he's been very good since then. He had a 45-game on-base streak that was going up into Sunday's game. It was Phillies Cardinals. This happened. Check swing. Did he go? Yes, he did. Herrera's heading over to first base. Pena's throw to first base is high. Oduble is on base. That'll be a strikeout and a wild pitch. Unfortunately for Oduble, that doesn't count for the on-base streak. 
Oh. He reached base safely, but it doesn't count. I cannot find an explanation why it doesn't count other than baseball only credits hits, walks, yep. uh, hit by pitch. Yes. And I know the NCAA will count a catcher's interference. I don't know if MLB does or not, but you're on base. Well, so if you yeah, if you reach on an error, it doesn't count for your on why? base. You're on it's base. the same thing, right? I think it's, it's because a charge to t- technically it's not something that you now you could separate errors. I I would say that a fielder getting nervous and making a play because Byron Buxton's running, but then sometimes they would award a hit. But I think what they're saying is you get credit for a hit because you hit the ball and it landed somewhere safely. Right. You drew that fourth ball for a walk, or you got stuck your for, elbow out. But in the, yeah, hit. getting hit with a why is hit by pitch a credit to your on base? But not some of these other things. But it's okay, an interesting. But uh, a, a strikeout and wild pitch is is a charge to bat, and in the box score, it's a charge strikeout. But you don't get because if, if you get get hit by a pitch, that's a non at bat, and you're on base. So it ruins your. Con- so ruins I think the an error denominator. and a strikeout wild pitch are seen as the exact same thing, which is you're charged with the at bat, but you're not credited with getting on base. For and it. you don't want the, if you double up on um, if you award. Uh, an on-base credit and a strikeout, then you're doubling up, and the numerator is more than the denominator. If I go back to my junior high math, very class, frightening. That did you put it that way? But I think you're absolutely correct. Oh! You can't screw up the numerator. You can't screw up the. I can. Touchdown Bruins, Darren Andrews. Uh oh. <laughs> We're not done. And Holmes will start for his own goal line. Oh! Wood being laid on the field. (laughs) Gus Johnson. I'm telling you, so he's a Fox guy. Thursday nights would have been uh, a good time for Gus Johnson. You're right. You know, that brings to mind something. He's a Fox guy. Fox paying a billion dollars to the WWE for the rights to SmackDown beginning October 2019. Well, that's official now. It is. I don't know it's official, official, but it's being widely reported that wow. it's done. It's happening. So Smackdown, Raw stays on uh, USA? Probably. And USA split- still fighting to keep it, but it sounds like that will happen. And, and they split those packages? Is that right as well? Yeah, it's genius. Yes. Okay. Yeah, rather than... And USA has benefited. It's their highest rated show for 25 years, but... I mean, like this is the NHL's problem, right? Where, well, we're just gonna we're gonna put all of our games on one network, and all the other leagues are like, especially the NBA and the NFL. Well, if five different platforms want to make a bid, we'll just like divvy up our product and yes. make more money, right? That's what the WWE's doing, and I they mean, have their own network. Gus can call wrestling, right? I see. Where is you're there going any here. reason why he can't? I see where you're going here. So, what would happen, like? Dave, why don't you be Gus Johnson, and uh, I'll just be like the music guy in the back here, and there's going to be a surprise entrance of some kind. I don't know, like a wrestler making his return, you know, something. Uh... Oh, my God! <laughs> that actually sounds just like good old JR, yeah, more like JR which is yeah. weird. Yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> JR with a little more soul? I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Mayfield. Breaks a tackle, picks up the first down, and more. Look at the swashbuckler. Swashbuckler. Swashbuckling. I told told you guys the weirdest Gus thing I saw was uh, two years back, we went to the Iowa-Iowa State game in Ames. Yeah. And it was Gus and is it Joel Klatt, the color commentator? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 
Uh, so so the game gets done. The wife and I go to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings to grab a couple drinks and something to eat, and in strolls the Fox crew. Gus, Joel Klatt, sideline person. Gus goes to the corner of the bar and sits alone and talks to no one. Hmm. Klatt and sideline person and producer get, get a table. It was a very odd that scene. Weird. And Gus sat at the end of the bar, and I think someone came over from the crew, I believe, to talk to him. But it wasn't Clat, and he did not sit with the people he worked with at all. Did he get any wings? Uh, you know, I don't think... He's a very small man. He is very slight. I think he got... We're looking to add wings. I think he got like a salad or something. Is it, I'm imagining very thin. You know, he gets an order of boneless, traditional, whatever it is, and okay, goes for the first bite. Mango habanero! Wow! Yeah. <laughs> just commentates his lunch <laughs> or dinner. So is it possible that he just needs to wind that down after like four hours? Absolutely. He says, guys, I just need to zone out at the bar. Absolutely. You guys go do your thing. I'm just going to be... Gus is a very quiet guy off air. Perhaps he's just a quiet un- guy. Unplugged. <laughs> Not always quiet on air. What a hit! Denzel Ward! You got barbecue back there? <laughs> and you didn't invite me? Hurt my feelings! <laughs> Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Sit back and relax and enjoy this. On 1500 ESPN. Hey, folks. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. This descent into decrepitude is going to be long and agonizing. Mackie and Judd. It's going to be absolutely horrific to watch. On 1500 ESPN. Ever dream of playing at U.S. Bank Stadium? Now is your chance. Sign your team up now to participate in United Health Group's Touch of Football Flag Football Tournament. Coming up Saturday, September 8th, flag football teams will take over U.S. Bank Stadium for this one-day six-on-six tournament, all to raise money for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Team spots are limited and almost gone, so get signed up right now. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. I live here. I've got a house here. So I love this place. This organization showed me the most respect you could get as a coach and a player and a manager. So you know what? Uh, I've always loved this place. It will never go away. Uh, but now I've got a job to do, and I have to bring these guys in, my Tiger boys, and try to whoop their butts. They didn't whip That's butt not going to happen, Gardy. That is not going to happen too often. But, you know, he's got this collection playing a lot better than they should. I mean, Miguel Cabrera has been injured and has given them very little. Uh, they they're just they're in rebuild mode. Like they hired him to oversee a rebuild. Yeah, the whole thing's very odd because he he signed a three year contract. Uh, Avila, their GM, I don't think is going to be there long term. So to me, this looks like this doesn't look like he, it's going to be three years and a contract extension. I think it's going to be three years and, and a house cleaning completely, which isn't necessarily going to be Garden Hire's fault. But this is a terrible collection. I just don't see any way that that this ad- administration is in Detroit long term now. He looks great, though. Oh, yeah, no, and I'm he, glad for him. The, the, he looks like he's having fun. Is red. He's da- apparently, he's down 40 pounds, looks, from what people are saying. He looks fantastic. The blo- the bloated, angry sort of guy that, you know, looked like you, you thought, oh, my God, he's in terrible shape, looks to be in decent shape now. See, anger, I, th- I think he was this... First of all, I loved covering him as a beat writer. Uh, we get into a couple dust-ups here and there, mostly because, like... I would write something that was maybe a little bit more critical than he, whatever. But he's he was always super fair with his players, uh, got along with almost all of his players, and um, also. But so he was like this friendly, gregarious guy. But also, if you got on his bad side, if yeah. you're an umpire or a player or a you know a beat writer, he would show his teeth. So he's got this wide range of personalities. 
I think he was one of the best managers in baseball for the early part of that run with the Twins. And then even he would admit, as other organizations were beefing up analytics and new ways of scouting, and the Twins, I mean, he was hung out to dry a little bit because you know, there wasn't anyone really in the front office for a while there that was trying to say, all right, hey, we need to start looking at some of these new things. They didn't and, give him much for an extended period. But it sounds like in Arizona, when he was the bench coach, mm-hmm. it sounds like he picked up on a lot of new ways of thinking and evaluating. And the problem is, how much can you really apply it to a collection of players that by the end of the year, I mean, it's like Nico Goodrum is, he's out to a good start. He's swinging the bat. He was a second round pick for the Twins like eight or nine years ago. Yep. But when that's, when Nico Goodrum, who's just a utility player who's been in the minor leagues for like eight years, when that's in the middle of your order, um, it's going to be tough. But they also get to feast on the White Sox and the Royals. So it's possible that Gardy could, if Gardy can keep that team around 500 somehow for six months, he might actually get manager of the year votes. Just like, just from the the gap in what they should have been to what they what they could be. Much to my thrill, we did get a v- version of Battle Their Tail Off. He talked about these young oh, guys. Really? These young guys, you'll see this starting tonight. They're battling their tails off. It was great. It's just there's certain guardy guardyisms that you need to hear. Did any pitchers throw the living fire out of the ball last night, or did that any I didn't their, hear? I didn't stick around for post game or the lefties who can really spin it. That's another good one. Too. I don't they think were I really heard that getting one. after it. I heard that they did get after yes, it. Yes, yeah. really. And they battled their tails off. This is a <laughs> good young collection. Good guys. <laughs> don't know what they're talking about all, all the time, but they're good guys. That was great. <laughs> is that what he said? Oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. made some joke like uh, his phone rang or something after the game last night. Or... Avila called him. The, the okay. GM called him. He said, "Oh, the GM's calling me. I better go. I might be getting fired." Clear right out. Now. He basically said, "Yeah, clear but out. He's, I'm he be fired. seems at the end of his Twins run, and even like in 2010 when they were the, one of the best teams in baseball." He was so on edge compared to how he normally would be because of pressure and expectations, and I think he was in a dif- different spot health-wise, but not that he's not putting pressure on himself to to win major league games, but you're not expected to do a whole lot with that team and where they are with, with like Miguel this Cabrera is pretty, 35 This is years a pretty old. good job right now. So he's probably less stressed out. Yes, definitely be- less stressed out. Because, hey, like if you can get this team to to win two out of three against a playoff contender once in a while... You're doing well for yourself, and you're still making decent money. As he said, not the same amount of money he was making with the Twins. He said, I'm not so fat because yeah. I can't afford to eat as much. <laughs> it's it's just like last year coming in here and seeing all your friends and all the people that you've worked with and some of the guys that I still know from the other team over there. Uh, it's still it's, it's neat coming back in and getting sick a little bit last night. So, yeah, it's all good. When we come back here, Tuesday pecking order, Guardy related. We're going to do a Guardy-related pecking order when we come back here. Also, uh, 11.30, the Paul Fenton press conference, new GM of the Minnesota Wild. And then noon to 12.30, we're blocking off Wolves' reckless speculation segments. Jace Frederick's going to join from the Pioneer Press. There's more on that cat versus the organization stuff that I know you and Murph talked about yesterday. Mm -hmm. So we'll definitely get to that. Uh, Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Let's go. Come on, we're waiting. On 1500 ESPN.